Welcome back, my friend. Welcome back. My name is Victor Nieves. This is the Victor Nieves Show podcast. To those of you who have been uh, loyal listeners to the podcast for some time, I have an exciting announcement. Um, I have finished, and it was bittersweet, uh, but I have finished being a radio host for the last one and a half years. Um, I was hosting a radio show on the Real Talk Radio Network. It was a tremendous blessing. Um, in many ways, it was a tremendous, unbelievable platform and an opportunity. Uh, life has taken me in a slightly different path. I got a very um, fantastic blessing of an opportunity to go work with a fantastic pro-life organization, uh, which is going to be a full-time position, so that's going to take me away from the radio. But the exciting announcement that I have on the podcast is that now the Victor Nieves Show podcast is going to be the Victor Nieves Show. So I'm not 100% sure how frequently we'll be able to put out episodes, but I can promise you this much, it's going to be a lot more often. For those of you who may not have known about the radio, it was a two-hour slot every single day. Um, and as you can imagine, you end up getting a bit of fatigue, you know, once you've sat there and, and you've recorded two hours of live radio every single day, Monday through Friday. The inspiration, I suppose you might say, for uh, going and sitting down and doing a podcast kind of starts to dwindle away. So the good news is um, the show goes on, but the show will now be on podcast form. It might one day return to radio. Today is not that day. Anyways, we have a lot of stuff that we need to talk about uh, this podcast. We're going to kind of reformat just a little bit. The podcast is going to more closely mirror um, what I did on radio, so we'll still have long-form discussions about individual topics, but I'm also going to do it a little bit more timely, if that makes sense. You know, big stories of the day, um, what's going on in the news. So real quick, uh, some something of a summary of the show. We'll do this uh, most episodes. We got some stuff we need to talk about in New York City. There's been an ongoing saga between their mayor, uh, the illegal aliens, their sanctuary city status, Greg Abbott, Ron DeSantis, an interesting development, and a bit of a summary of what's happened there recently. We also have a story that I actually wrote. Uh, this is available on thegatewaypundit.com. I encourage you all to check this one out. Um, titled, Hypocrite Congressman Jamie Raskin Claims Donald Trump Used Government as a, quote, Instrument for Self-Enrichment. We're going to hit on that, Jamie Raskin, uh, this dude. I mean, you ever heard the saying, it's not good to throw rocks when you live in a, gra a, a, a glass house? Well, he might need to learn that. In other news, we got an update on uh, some transgender stuff regarding parents pulling their daughters from sports teams. And then we're going to have... Uh, an interesting and, in my opinion, a much-needed conversation surrounding abuse, particularly sexual abuse. You know, we hear all of this stuff um, as it pertains to the Catholic Church. I've heard this narrative bounced around on TikTok by a lot of the liberals. They'll say, oh, well, you guys talk about the drag queens. You guys talk about the stuff happening in the schools and the libraries, the books, when in reality, these kids are at much more risk whenever they go to church. That is a lie. We're going to get into that and uh, much more. But let's dive in real quick to this story with New York City. So, so for anyone who hasn't been um, a regular radio listener, you may not know, but I've been covering in great detail the funniest saga that I've ever come across uh, in American politics, and that is the situation that happened in New York City. See, New York City has virtue signaled to the rest of the country. They've, they've, they've tried to prove to us how morally superior they are to the average, you know, red state Republican by telling everyone, 
that they will not be deporting illegal aliens. They won't be uh, kicking people out. They won't be calling ICE on you. No, 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 no. New York City is a so-called sanctuary. It's a safe haven for all of the illegals to go. And for the longest time, they didn't have to actually walk the walk. They could just talk that talk, but they didn't have to deal with illegal aliens. As we know, you got quite a ways to go if you're walking from, Tex uh, from Texas uh, all the way to New York City. I don't know how many hours that is by car. Probably like, what, 20? <laughs> 20 hours or something like that? Crazy. So New York City has not really had to deal with the illegal immigration problem, at least certainly not to the scale that they have been lately. Greg Abbott, um, seeing as New York City was such a sanctuary for these illegal aliens, he gracefully um, obliged and he decided, you know what, that's fine if you're going to be a sanctuary. Where better to send illegal aliens than a sanctuary? So he put them on buses, he sent them to New York City, and it has been a debacle. You know, they, they built these uh, huge shelters. At one point, they housed a bunch of illegal aliens in a very nice, a swanky hotel. I think it was called the Watson Hotel, very nice hotel. Uh, the illegals didn't want to leave. Mayor Eric Adams tried to bribe them out of there with oranges. I kid you not, craziest stuff. He tried to bribe them with oranges. Eventually, they, they had to call the cops, they kicked the illegals out, had to bring in a hazmat team to clean because they had left it in such a state of disarray. So anyways, uh, it's been a saga. Eric Adams put some of the illegals on Greyhound buses himself, sent some of them to Canada, sent some of them you know, to other areas in the country, which I thought was supposedly, right, Joe Biden said putting illegal aliens on buses was like super racist. Uh, Gavin Newsom said it was using them as political pawns, blah, blah, blah. Well, Eric Adams, he gets to do that. And now it's kind of come full circle. He said that New York City is full. They can't handle any more illegal aliens. And he's actually calling on Joe Biden to uh, declare a state of emergency and say, listen, we have a problem. Oh, believe it or not. <laughs> Crazy how quickly the liberals flip-flop, right? It used to be that Republicans were so racist and xenophobic and all of this stuff for wanting a wall and wanting to secure the border. But that's because Republican states you know, Arizona, Texas, southern states like that, they actually had to live with it. They actually had to deal with the consequences of illegal aliens in their place. Now that New York City has to deal with it, suddenly they start sounding an awful lot more like Donald Trump. Well, the most recent update in that ever-entertaining saga is that New York City is now, to facilitate all of the illegal aliens, planning to convert a soccer field on Randall's, it's called Randall's Island Park, into a shelter for some 2,000 illegal aliens. And we call them illegal aliens because that's what they are. Really quick tangent, I've said this on the radio many times, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but I'm extremely anal about terms. Language is important. Don't ever use the language of the left. It's, it's a very powerful concession the second that you start calling illegal aliens anything other than illegal alien. You start calling them this crap undocumented migrant? No. You start calling them an immigrant? God forbid? No. There is such thing as an immigrant to this country. Those are people who have followed our laws. They have earned the title of immigrant. Assuming that they come here, they do the right things, etc. They have followed the law. They've earned the title of immigrant. They've become a naturalized citizen in many cases. Someone who breaks in the back door and just comes here to mooch off of our milk and honey, that is not an immigrant. That's an illegal alien and they should be kicked out. So don't ever fall into this trap 
of thinking, oh, what's the big deal? It's just a little word. It ain't a little word. It's a huge concession, and people on the right are, been, are, are so guilty of bending the knee and, and continuing to concede ground and concede ground and concede ground, and then one day we wake up and we say, how the heck did we get here? Yeah, well, it was the last 15 times you took a step backward. Sure enough, you actually moved a good ways. So anyways, 2,000 illegal aliens, they got to get rid of the soccer field. <laughs> Imagine you're some kid, you're like, oh yeah, I love playing soccer on Randall's Island. Not anymore, buckaroo. We got to put some illegal aliens there. Didn't you know uh, that all of those people who have come here to uh, New York City seeking sanctuary, they are far more important than the kids who wanted to play soccer on those fields. You got to put 2,000 more illegal aliens there. I think it's it's sad, uh, definitely sad. But it's funny how quickly these people switch up. The second that they have to uh, deal with what the rest of us have been dealing with, suddenly their moral superiority, poof, it's out the window. Anyways, next, let's, let's, let's hit on this next story here. Wisconsin parents, by the way, this is reported on uh, Gateway Pundit, in case you'd like to follow along. Wisconsin parents pulling daughters from sports team after a transgender player leaves them with welts and bruises. They report saying that multiple different parents have made the the decision, and I'm sure it's a begrudging decision. Nobody wants to have to be forced to pull their kid out of a sport, uh, but multiple parents have made the decision that it's time. They got to pull their kids out of these different sports uh, because their daughters are coming home from their various, whether it's like volleyball, softball, you name it, they're coming home with bruises and welts. They're getting the crap beaten out of them, and they explain why. They say what's happening here. And You may have seen a, a very viral instance of this. Uh, like, let's say volleyball. Just as a, as a generic sport, you could pick anything, but volleyball, we have a specific example. The girls on those teams are used to the ball coming at them in a specific speed. You know why? Because they're used to competing against other girls. They're not used to competing against boys or young men. So a young man gets on the team, spikes the volleyball at Mach 1 speed. And a specific example I'm referencing, he ended up giving a girl a concussion. It smoked her in the face. Her head whipped back. I mean, it was actually a pretty scary sight to see. The video was all over the place. Uh, millions and millions of views. This young girl had actual like head trauma. Because she got smacked in the face by a volleyball. Sometimes these idiots, they'll say, well, what's the big deal if we allow men to compete against women? And the, the hyper-stupid ones will say, well, men don't really have that big of a, uh, of a uh, competitive physical advantage over women. Yeah, tell that to the girl with head trauma. Because she got hit in the face by a volleyball. It doesn't even have to be a contact sport. All sports have an inherent risk, right? When you sign a, a waiver to, to play a sport, you have to acknowledge that, yeah, there's a very serious risk associated with, you know, softball or tennis or anything. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be boxing or jujitsu or MMA. Anything that involves some minute level of contact, you put a man behind the bat and all of a sudden that softball is moving a lot faster than it used to. And you're not used to that because you're, you're expecting the speed of, uh, of ball that comes from a girl, not from a man. So anyways, these, uh, these teachers are pulling these, uh, they're pulling these kids out. And in fact, it's upset the school district. It's upset all kinds of people. It's made national news. I 100% stand by these, by these parents. Don't put your daughter in harm's way. And I don't think that these parents are like some hardcore social conservative right-wingers. These are just average moms and dads who are saying, yo, hang on. 
my daughter just got a broken nose because some dude spiked her in the face. This is hardly fair, and they're correct. Little girls ought not be subject to this crap. And so it's time that we just stop. If, if, if there's going to be a transvestite on the team, nobody play. If there's going to be a transvestite that's trying to swim against young women, nobody play. Nobody play. Refuse to play with them because you don't want to participate in this, this circus. You don't want to participate in the insanity because that's what it is. It's insanity. So just say no. Me, me and my friends or, or my kids, whatever it might be, we're not participating in this charade. We're not going to go along and pretend that this is normal. And by the way, some folks may suggest, well, why don't the transvestites just get their own sports league? I'm okay with that realistically, like as a, as a reasonable um, middle ground. And I, I'm really not one that's big for middle ground. But if they want to play sports, they can play sports. And they're not going to want to play against men because they're the most effeminate men in the world. Uh, and they, sure, they surely can't play against women because it's just a grotesque um, advantage. It's not fair at all. Uh, to the women. So you can let them play amongst themselves, but they're never going to settle for that. Th that's the reason I'm not huge on that concession. Uh, the real reason I would say, no, that's not really worth pursuing, is that they're never going to be okay with it. It would temporarily actually become a step for normalization of transvestite stuff. Oh, it's just normal. You got your boys, you got your girls, and then you got your trannies. Like, no, that's actually not how this is. You got boys, you got girls, and you got mentally ill kids who had failures of parents. But anyways, Perhaps that was a bit harsh. Regardless, what would inevitably happen if we did say, okay, you got a boys league, a girls league, and a league for the mentally ill, is the, transve the, the transvestites would inevitably say, we're being segregated. This is separate but equal. Uh, this is a civil rights violation, blah, 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 blah. So don't throw out a concession if you know it's just going to be spit right back in your face. I understand the natural proclivity to look for something like that to be a reasonable person, but the reality is these kids for one, shouldn't be allowed to do this. It's a failure of the parents that's allowing their child to, to transition at this age. If they turn 18 and they go off and do it, I mean, I, I, what do you expect a parent to do? But if this is like a 14-year-old kid and the parent's saying, oh, hey, Johnny, you feel like Susie will chop your nuts off and we'll send you off to volleyball practice. That shouldn't be happening. So these kids shouldn't be allowed to be doing these kinds of things. No doctors should be participating in this. It should be a federal crime, you know, put like life in prison on it if you want to. Anyone who chops off the genitals of a child deserves life in prison, in my, in my opinion. Um, the hormone blockers, same story. You shouldn't be doing this to kids. I know there's a medical, um, an existing medical reason that you might, like maybe a kid goes into puberty a little bit too early. I understand that's different. But for the purpose of gender transition, if you're going to start prescribing, uh, you know, hormones, hormone blockers to these kids so they can just find out on their own. No, that should, there should be a prison sentence with that one, like minimum of 15 years if you do that to a child, because you're castrating them. They're, they're never going to be the same by the end of these, uh, the, like the Dutch treatment leaves a child castrated, which is the standard protocol for transvestite uh, stuff. But anyways, if you go ahead and you do that, I assure you, What's inevitably going to happen is that you're just going to be told that that's segregation. We'll be right back where we are, except we've also somewhat inadvertently normalized the whole transvestite stuff. So the reality is there shouldn't be children that are transitioning because there is no such thing as a transgender child, only bad parents. And we shouldn't be uh, conforming to this. We shouldn't be going along with collective insanity. We should be rejecting it. We should be saying, listen, I'm sorry that this, uh, you're, you're dealing with this mental illness, that this is afflicting you. However, 
Um, if you're going to try and compete as a as a male, if you're going to try and compete with females, that's just a no. That's a straight up no. You can still try to compete with the men, but they're not going to want to do that. So tough luck. It is what it is. N- next, let's uh, let, let's segue real quick here. Let's hit on this story. I came across, uh, I think it was Breitbart had initially reported um, something about Jamie Raskin. He went on, what was it? He went on ABC's This Week. They have some crappy program that airs on Sundays. Nobody watches it. Uh, called This Week. And it's anchored by a guy named Jonathan Carl. And so Jamie Raskin, well-known Democrat congressman, this is a guy who had a very pivotal role um, in the second Trump impeachment. He's, uh, he's a scumbag. Jamie Raskin made an interesting claim about Donald Trump. I can, I'll, I'll read you the direct quote here. He was asked about the Biden crime family. Uh, credit to the anchor. He did ask a, a question. He didn't keep Raskin to it. He didn't even try. But, you know, a little a little nugget of credit to this guy, um, Jonathan Carl, for at least asking. He says to uh, Raskin, quote, he says, you know, we, we, we've seen um, Joe Biden at one point say that Hunter Biden had no dealings, got no money from China. Now we see from Hunter's own words that that's not true. Does, does any of this raise concerns with you? He asks to uh, Jamie Raskin. He says, you know, the money from Ukraine and China and Russia, does that concern you? Jamie Raskin replies and he says, here's what I'm concerned about. Get ready for a F-tier attempt to pivot. And he should have been called on this. He wasn't, uh, but very obvious. He's just trying to pivot. And he says, here's what I'm concerned about. During the Trump administration, how laughable is this, we saw the development of a completely new public philosophy, which is that government is not an instrument of the common good in the public interest, but government is an instrument for private self enrichment for the guy who gets in for his family and his businesses. And that's a role model we're seeing all over the world. So Jamie Raskin there, he says that Donald Trump, while he was in office, used the office as nothing more than a tool for personal enrichment. Now, as I wrote on the Gateway Pundit about this, that claim is clearly and demonstrably false. Donald Trump, unlike most politicians, actually lost money as a result of having served in office. This is reported across the board. Uh, one specific example, NBC reports on how Donald Trump lost some $700 million. There's estimates even higher than that. Some people theorize up to a third of his worth was lost at one point in time because of him serving uh, as the president of the United States. Obviously, he also famously rejected his presidential salary, which is not a small amount of money, $400,000 a year. You're talking about a term of four years. That's $1.6 million that Donald Trump just outright rejected. If you're going to insinuate that Trump ran for president, became elected and all of that simply to enrich himself, he's pretty freaking bad at it. I don't know too many people to turn their nose up at one6 million dollars, especially if you're just like there to make money. If you're just there to, 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 you know, harvest as much coin as you possibly can, you're not going to say no to $1.6 million. I promise you, you're not saying no to that kind of money. And Jamie Raskin, <laughs> Mr. Glasshouse, Mr. Uh, what's it? Pot calling the kettle black. That's the old expression. Why haven't you rejected your $174,000 congressional salary? That's what he gets paid every year. The guy's a career politician, made a bit of money off of that, $174,000 a year. I'd like to make that. Most of you would like to make $174,000. If you're going to complain about Trump, essentially call him a grifter, say he's just in it for the money, maybe we should look at you real quick, buddy. 
Why haven't you turned down $174,000? And while we're at it, while we're looking at it, Jamie Raskin, why is it that your estimated net worth is between $4.1 and $4.5 million? I went through and I looked at the career of Jamie Raskin. I looked at uh, his profile on, you know, the congressionalrecords.gov. You can look at all of this kind of stuff. He has his own um, explanation of what he did prior to Congress. This guy's a career politician. He was a politician at the state level before eventually he became a, a politician at the federal level. He was a professor for a while. He did spend some time as a professor, and they make decent money. A, a law school professor makes decent money, but not some crazy amount. How did you get $4 million? How did you make that money if not using your position? See, he accuses Donald Trump of you know serving, quote-unquote, in office only to make money. Meanwhile, that's all that Raskin has done his entire life. He's a scumbag career politician who made millions and millions of dollars, multimillionaire, suckling off the teat of the taxpayer. And then you know he would write a book or something. Say, oh, look, I'm a congressman. I'm going to write a book. Yeah, okay, peddle your influence. Listen, it's fine. If you want to do that as a congressman, you want to write a book, so be it. More power to you. You've achieved tremendous things in life as a, as a member of Congress. That's quite the accomplishment. You can write a book. And people are going to buy it and you're going to make money off of it. But don't think for one second that you would have made all that money on those book sales if it weren't for the fact that you held that office. So if you're going to throw rocks, remember, Jamie, don't live in a freaking glass house. And if you really cared about politicians making a whole bunch of money off of politics, you look into the Biden crime family, estimates of nearly $20 million in various bribery payments to them. You know, the, the folks sitting in office right now, the, the members of your own party, Jamie, that are sitting there cashing out. The Bidens have been cashing out from their position for the last 40 years. They're a bigger offender than even you, Jamie. But you know that. And you dare not touch it. Anyways, last but not least, certainly not least, let's hit on this one. I promised you one more thing, um, and then we'll wrap it up. We'll keep today's podcast somewhat short, but we hit a lot of a lot of things in uh, this. What are we at? Like twenty something minutes. I appreciate everybody who's still listening. By the way, folks, if you ever want to contact me, you can uh, always DM me on Instagram. You can you know tag me on uh, Twitter or something like that. And uh, I read pretty much every comment, every tag, every DM, so I will see it. If you uh, ever feel like you want to, hey, Victor, I think you got something wrong, or hey, I think you should talk about this, you know, if you listened this long, I might as well give you a direct plug. You can shoot me a DM. I promise I'll read it. Anyways, let's, let's hit on this, uh, potentially the bigger story of today, or the bigger topic um, that I really wanted to hit on today, and, and that's this totally fictitious narrative that children are in more danger at church than they are at school or than they are, uh, you know, as a result of all this drag stuff and et cetera. I came across a couple of articles, and they all, they all fit uh, very perfectly into the greater narrative that's being presented. This one in specific uh, that I want to start with is from msnbc.com. The title of the article is Rampant Child Sexual Abuse is Occurring in Churches, Not at drag shows. And then, of course, they point to the Catholic Church because the stories that we hear about most often are related to the Catholic Church. Um, and they start firing off statistics. They say that, that almost 2,000, there are reports uh, from Illinois, that almost 2,000 children suffered sexual abuse uh, by some 451 Catholic clergy between the years of 1950 
and 2019. Now that's terrible. That's horrible. Um, the, the, the people who did that to those children, hang them. Like literally you can hang them. I don't get, if, if you do that kind of stuff to a kid, I don't care what you think you are, what you, uh, what your position is, hang them. Okay. But let's, let's keep that in mind that it was some 2000 kids. Well, interesting enough, and credit to them for covering this. CBS News actually has a pretty good uh, a pretty good coverage about this. They have an article titled "Has Media Ignored Sex Abuse in School?" and they detail all kinds of man statistics and numbers and history of all of this stuff. As it turns out, whenever you actually crunch the numbers and you look at school versus church, you're about a hundred times more likely to be a victim of sexual assault in school than you are in a church, than you are in a Catholic church or anywhere else for that matter, you are much more likely as a child to be a victim of some level of sexual abuse in school than you are in church. So ask yourself this question, why is it that the left-wing media tries to paint this picture like the Christian church, the Catholic church, whatever uh, denomination they want to point at that day, why is it that they always paint this image as if the church is the most dangerous place for children? Oh, but but school is totally safe, and being at pride parades where there's three-quarters naked men sucking on dildos and humping each other's bare butt cheeks right in the street, there's sometimes there's just fully naked men riding their bicycle with their penises out right in front of a bunch of small children. Oh, kids are totally safe there, right? They're totally safe in the freaking lion's den surrounded by sexual deviants that are three quarters naked, humping and, and, you know, the most clearly grotesque environment you could possibly imagine. That is where you're expecting me to believe that my children would be safe and not at church where they're surrounded by sweet old ladies that are going to be singing hymns and a pastor that's going to be talking about biblical morality and the wrath of God for those who sin against children. You know, there's a a verse in the Bible that says that it's better for someone to have a millstone hung around their neck and to be thrown into a lake than it is for them to harm a little one. Would you rather your child be in a place where everyone is taught that it is better for you to be drowned to death with a stone tied around your neck than it is to to harm a child? Or would you want your kid to be in the place where grown men are exposing their penises to them? It's a pretty easy question if you're asking me. I would much rather have a child be in the presence of people who are seeking godly morality than have that child in the presence of a bunch of sexual deviants and perverts that statistically speaking, are very likely to have either suffered abuse or then go on to perpetrate abuse to children. That is not a place for kids, but they want you to think it's a place for kids. And the most obvious answer is probably the correct one. The same people who attacked Sound of Freedom, the same people who didn't ask enough questions about Epstein's Island, the same people who ignore all of this freak, satanic, ritualistic crap that, that murder children in the womb, the same people that do all of those things just so happen to be the same people that want to be around your kids in an intimate sexual setting, talking about their sexuality and their preferred sexual intercourse and whom they like to do what with. Yet yeah, those people set off some pretty serious freaking alarm bells in my head. Anyways. That's all we're going to hit on today. Um, Maybe in the future, the podcast will be a little bit longer. I'm actually surprised we got this done um, in just about a half an hour. 
So maybe we'll expand that just a little bit. I can certainly uh, hash some stuff out just a little bit more. But y'all let me know, for those of you who are uh, regular podcast listeners, let me know how you like the format. This is much more similar um, to what I did whenever I was on the radio. And it'll kind of keep me, it'll keep uh, keep the iron hot. It'll keep me ready in case I ever want to return to radio um, to kind of kind of continue this general format. I like that a little bit. Um, anyways, that's all for today. Till next time, keep me in your prayers, keep your country in your prayers. God bless.